turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Parents Toast. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Parents is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Parents cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Ferenc Stoke. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. So if you've been listening to this show, you know I really do my best to try to cut through the noise and really focus on things that affect the our, our money. You know, the economy, our ability to save money, grow it, pass it on to the next generation, all those good good things. And as I always point out, economic freedom, of course, is is imperative. That's all part of it. You have to have the freedoms to grow your money, save it in a stable economy to really, really succeed. Uh, and I've, been, I've had a lot of questions recently um, about a lot of economic concerns that, uh, you know, many of the clients and listeners and such have as, as well I do myself. And so some of the news I think that's extremely important that I've not been seeing, I haven't seen anything on this hardly. It took some digging, actually, to pull some of this information. I think you're going to find very interesting. The first one is, as many of people have heard, Moody's, one of the big three credit uh, rating agencies, a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago, reduced the uh, U.S. federal government's debt from AAA to AA+. So they dropped it. They dropped it uh, a rating. Now, that's a, that's big news because the U.S. government is a huge debtor. As we all know, we've heard many times, the debt, federal debt is around 30, over $32 trillion at this point. That's an unimaginably large number. You know, they're the, we're the largest debtor nation in the history of the world at this point. Having that much debt has an impact, and Moody's now is concerned about it, and that's why they've reduced the credit rating. And when you rec- reduce a credit rating, it really negatively affects a debtor. Anyone who's ever borrowed money, if you've ever borrowed money for any purpose whatsoever, we all know that your credit score, your rating, if you will, is very important in terms of what kind of interest rate you get on the loan, for example. Obviously, the better your credit, the lower the interest rate. In other words, the better your credit, the lower risk you are to the lender. So they'll offer you a more favorable or a lower rate with better credit. When your credit score goes up or bad, you have to pay higher interest because you're a higher risk to the lender. It's just that simple. By Moody's lowering the credit rating of the U.S. government debt, what they're saying is that the U.S. government is a higher risk than they were before. Therefore, their cost of servicing the debt, the interest on the debt, goes up. It increases. It costs more to service that debt. When Again, when you have a lot of debt, like the U.S. government does, that is a very, very negative thing. Now, to put things in perspective, and I'm going to share some more thoughts on what's going on with Moody's. There's some more news, so just, just sit tight. Stay tuned. But before I get there, the key, I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, it's bad news. And I've heard a lot of people 
I, you know, really, I, I would say overreact. Yes, it's bad news. I agree. It's a it's a d- negative direction, certainly, for the federal debt to be downgraded because the cost of insurance, uh, cost of interest payments will go up, and that means more of the revenues that the federal government receives through taxpayer dollars, taxpayers, of course, and money that they're continuing to spend over and above their revenues. Okay will have to go to servicing the debt or interest payments, which means less of the money is going to go to, you know, services or things that are actually important, like, oh, I don't know, defense, for example, things like that, right? It's bad news, but to put it in perspective, a one rating credit rating, most economists I've seen have said that the cost of that increase in, in interest is going to be about 5 to 7%. So what does that mean? So in other words, let's say 10, you had a 10% interest rate loan. And the cost of borrowing went up five five percent. Okay, well that means that your uh, your loan instead of being ten percent is now ten point oh five percent. Okay, it's not a huge increase, but it is an increase. When you talk about the the numbers, the size of the debt, it's a significant amount of money. Again, it's not game changing per se. But it is a reason for concern. It's a red flag. It's a clear indication that we as a country, in terms of debt, are heading in the wrong direction. So I think instead of panicking, I don't want people to, you know, throw, you know, throw in the towel and panic, so to speak, because the the, the credit rating has been downgraded for the U.S. government debt. But I do, but we do need to pay attention to it because it is a red flag. It's a marker, and it's a marker in the wrong direction. We, it means we need to change directions. And ultimately, I'm going to share some more of this as we talk today. What does it ultimately mean if we don't change direction? So I'm going to, I'm going to hit on that in a minute. But before I get there, Moody's has done some other things. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to go back to that because this is I want to stay on this topic, this focus here. And why I bring this up is there's another article I just was reading from the Wall Street Journal stating that China slips into deflation and warning sign for world economy. Now, this is very, very concerning. Here's why. So China, of course, as most people know, is the second largest economy in the world. They're getting a deepening economic malaise and a darkening economic picture for China. And the reasons behind it are... You know, they, they're trying to, China's trying to come, come out of the COVID shutdowns and stuff, just like the rest of the world, but they're losing momentum and, and they're not having inflation like we had. They're actually having the opposite problem. And the reason is because exports are, the drop in exports is accelerating. In other words, there's less exports, okay, which is where a lot of source of China's wealth comes from. Youth unemployment has hit record highs. We have a lot of unemployment. I know our employment numbers are low, according to the government, but they're not counting a lot of people who have just given up on looking for jobs. So the real unemployment numbers or underemployment numbers are much higher than what the government uh, officially, officially proclaims. Okay, And also the housing market is mired in a protracted downturn in China. Now, we haven't seen a downturn in our housing market yet going that direction. It's been turning for, uh, recently for a while, for about the past year, I guess. Um, but they are they're ahead of us in terms of that, in terms of a downturn in values. And the thing is, they're, they're, they're suffering. China is suffering from falling prices on a range of goods, things like steel and coal and vegetables and home appliances and all those kinds of things. And so they're actually getting deflation. The cost of goods and things are actually going down. And this is interesting for us, deflation. 
because deflation is particularly risky for countries with high debt burdens. China actually has a higher because higher amount of debt than the United States. So this, again, is another warning sign. This should be a warning sign for us as a country. We don't want to follow China's example. It's a bad economic example. The reason why deflation is particularly risky, again, for countries with high debt, is it'll add to service debt servicing costs for borrowers and likely prompt them to spend less spend and invest less, which will slow down the economy further, which, of course, will lead to the uh, recession. Like they said, a lot of the people are, you know, Cornell University economist, Eswar Prasad is his name. He's actually heads the International Monetary Fund China Division. He says the reality looks increasingly grim because their total debt actually reached nearly three times the size of their gross domestic product. Uh, I spoke on one of the... Uh, previous shows recently where we're at 130 or so percent of GDP, our debt, which is not good. China went far, far, much farther down that path. And now they're looking at some real, real problems with deflation. Now, by the way, I was having this discussion with a, a prospective client. In fact, today he was convinced, and as a lot of people, I hear this, a lot of people are saying, you know, we're just going to continue to see more and more inflation because of the printing of the dollars. I'm not so certain that's going to be the case. And, and, and stay with me for a minute, and you'll, a couple minutes, and you'll see why. I think you'll understand why I'm saying that. China, for example, here is, the, is an example of a country that printed too many dollars, too much government stimulus, and now the opposite is starting to happen because, you know, people start pulling back because the, dollar, these, the, the currency is worth less, certainly as you print more, right? The other thing is, if you understand like what, what the Federal Reserve does and what our government does when they're printing dollars, when they're spending more than they receive. In other words, for the last couple of years or so, the government's been, a few years, has been averaging spending about a trillion dollars more per year than it receives in tax revenues. You know, actually, our federal government has, has been receiving historically high levels of tax revenue. They don't have a, a revenue problem. It's a spending problem. They're receiving record revenues, the government is, our government, but they're spending more than they're receiving. So the last numbers I've seen, and again, don't quote me on this exactly, but the government budget is around, what is it, uh, six trillion, they've been spending about $5 trillion, something along that line, and receiving about four, okay, right in that range. So the bottom line is they're spending about 20% more than they're receiving. What likely is going to happen? Well, when the government or the Federal Reserve spends more than it's receiving, which it's doing, it prints dollars. But it's not just, it's not like a printing machine where it's just unlimited. In other words, the Federal Reserve has to then sell bonds on the bond market, treasury bonds, basically back the currency, okay? And so it goes to the bond market, and, and large institutions and sovereign funds often buy these bonds. Well, what happens when these bond buyers decide to stop buying the bonds? Folks, that's a big deal, because there's already rumblings of that, of bond buyers starting to grumble about buying U.S. Treasuries because they're printing too much. In other words, we always keep talking about how our politicians need to be more fiscally responsible and they seem to have impossible, they just won't do it because they gain power from it. It would actually reduce their power. My point is this. If, if the ship doesn't change direction from a fiscal responsibility standpoint, representatives may be forced by the bond buyers to spend less. 
In other words, again, what happens when the bond buyers refuse to buy more bonds? And there is actually historical examples to back that up. One of the most recent ones is Greece. In other words, you're talking about austerity measures. Greece, about 10 years ago, had been spending far too much money. And, of course, they were selling, they were spending more than they were revenues, the government was, printing dollars, much like our government's been doing. And eventually, bond buyers balked. They said they're not going to buy anymore unless Greece starts reducing spending, austerity. Now, this is a very interesting example to educate and help understand what, what could possibly happen down the road here in the near future here in the U.S. And the key is you're going to want to be nimble and quick and have funds that are liquid and available to take care of, take advantage, I should say, of opportunities. And that, again, is why I'm such a fan of the Your Personal Bank concept because of the high liquidity. I encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment because I'm going to share more on this in this conversation I had with this prospective client to help you realize inflation may not be the problem in the future. It may be deflation. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. And as I've been discussing, a lot of people are expressing much concern. Many people I talk to on a daily basis are expressing concern about their levels of federal debt inflation and those kinds of things and concern that that's that's going to continue. I, of course, certainly have concerns too about the federal debt and all, but I'm not quite certain that what we're going to see going in the future, and I'm talking about in the next few years even, of what we're going to be seeing is necessarily going to be continuing high inflation. I do believe we're going to see higher than average interest rates, but that's a different situation. And I'll share with you further why. But this inflation idea may not be the accurate, may not be what ends up happening. And I've got some really strong evidence to point that picture. Uh, sharing in the last segment, a Wall Street Journal article recently just came out stating that China has slipped into deflation. And that is a warning sign for the world economy. Again, this is a red flag. This is something that needs to be paid attention to because China is the second largest economic economy in the world. Okay. And China has done things similar to the U.S. to maybe even a further extent, certainly in terms of debt. China has done a, a, a lot of spending of money and stimulus measures, much like the U.S. has done, but to an even greater level than the U.S. So again, this, is a, this should serve as a warning for us to not continue down that same path. China is not, and I repeat, is not, the example we should be following, especially economically, but a lot of other reasons, but particularly economically. And again, they're going into deflation because the demand for products and services is dropping. All right. I 
potentially foresee the same type of thing going on here with the US. And what I mean by that is it's quite simple. Whenever, you've got to think on both sides of the coin. Whenever the government prints money, of course, they have to sell bonds, the, tre the treasury bonds, to back the currency. That's what they do, and they have to have bond buyers. Well, it may not be the politicians that end up changing the direction, although I hope it happens because towards some financial fiscal responsibility. The sooner we change the direction on the ship, the better, the less economic pain that all of us will suffer in the future. So the sooner we change this, the better. The sooner we stop spending too much money, the better. Unfortunately, we're stuck in spending too much money for the next couple of years because the last ridiculous debt ceiling deal, which really wasn't a debt ceiling deal, they got rid of the debt ceiling, and they basically said, we'll spend whatever we want. The Fed, when the federal government spends more than they receive, and right now they're spending about a trillion dollars per year, more than they receive in tax revenues, they then print, the Federal Reserve prints the extra dollars, and then sells bonds on the treasury, you know, treasury bonds on the bond market back to currency. When bond buyers, and that's starting to happen, they're starting to have more and more difficulty getting bond buyers. These are sovereign wealth funds, huge institutional investors. When they start having more and more concerns about buying the bonds, and like Moody's downgrade certainly doesn't help the matter, doesn't help the case, then you go into what's called austerity measures. And we saw that with uh, Greece most recently, about 10 years ago. You know, Greece had been spending far too much money, much like the U.S., and eventually the bond buyer said, enough's enough. And some of the primary bond buyers of the Greece debt at the time was, was Germany. And Germany said, no, we're not going to buy any more unless, unless, employ some austerity measures, right? What does that mean? Spend less. In other words, live within your means. It's much, much like, uh, you know, when somebody has a credit card and they've maxed out their limit and you get cut off, you're not going to spend any more. If that happens to the U.S., what's going to happen is they'll have to then go back to spending levels based on what they receive, which is about 75, 80%, like I said, of what they um, receive in tax revenue. So in other words, overall spending would have to cut about 20 to 25% across the board. Now, a lot of people think that'd be, that would be dramatic. If it happened all at once and was forced, that honest, absolutely would be, just like it was with Greece. What happened? Everything's not going to stop. That's one thing. I don't want folks to completely and totally panic, because I see some of that. People think, oh my gosh, it's going to be horrible. Certainly, it would throw us into a recession if we weren't already in one. I have no doubt about that. But about 75-80% of the government spending would continue because they are still receiving revenue. So it would just cut back 20-25%. It would be a shock to the system. My opinion is it would be a healthy shock. Because what it would do is it would wash out the excesses, the excesses spending. Economic cycles actually up and down over the long run are actually healthy. The interference that we have been experiencing with our federal government and particularly the Federal Reserve for the last decade or two has only exacerbated the problems, in my opinion. Economic cycles are going to happen, whether these engineers, if you will, whatever you want to call them, and I don't mean this as a derogatory statement to in true engineers, but these people that try to engineer, quote-unquote, our economy, who think they know better, who think they can uh, make the ups and down cycles go away. No. They don't have that level of control or knowledge or ability, even though many of them think they do. They just don't. What they do is they delay the inevitable. And what ends up happening is 
it's like holding a beach ball under the water. You know, eventually that beach ball is going to come out. And when you have a bubble, you know, we've seen that with 0809, with the real estate bubble, for example, which was caused a lot by the federal government and their policies. It just exacerbated and made things much, much worse when the bubble finally burst. Look, folks, the bubble's going to burst on this debt problem. It's going to happen. It's going to happen sooner or later. My opinion is we're closer to it than many people think. Uh, these, you know, this example with China going into de deflation is, is I think, a measure of that or a warning shot of that. And why I think we could likely go into, instead of a continued inflationary cycle, going into deflation is quite simple. The primary reason why we're in an inflation, we've seen so much inflation, is the government primarily has been spending far too much money. At the point when they stop doing so, whether voluntarily or forced to by the bond buyers, and folks, it's, it will happen sooner or later. They'll say, enough, we're not going to just keep buying these bonds because you keep printing more money in them, and the bonds we're buying are worth less. Why, if you were a buyer, why would you do that? It makes no logical sense. So they will be forced to spend less at some point. When that happens, there will be less dollars in the system. There will be less money to go around. It's basic economics 101, folks. When there's less dollars purchasing goods and services, what do the prices of those things do? The prices of assets go down. When there's more dollars, which we've seen in the last decade, in essence, cheap monetary policy, easy borrowing, helicopter in the last couple of years in particular, helicoptering trillions of dollars into the system, what have the prices of things done? Gone, done nothing but gone up. It's not rocket science. So again, I foresee a situation where we could be in a deflationary cycle in the next few years, possibly sooner, the spending, the government spending will be either reduced through fiscal sanity, re returning to our federal government, or the bond buyers, which I think is probably the more likely scenario, forcing it on us as a country and forcing austerity measures. In other words, living within our means. Frankly, that's what we should be doing all the time anyway. That's the most sane financial policy to follow. Here's the thing. It's impossible to predict what's going to happen. But again, as I've shared, it's very, it's very obvious to anyone who really pays attention and understands this, that we could see either scenario going forward. So what's the solution? How do you, how do you weather this? How do you thrive through that? Through this situation, whatever does happen, you need to stay nimble. You need to have liquidity. You need to have access to money where it doesn't have tax implications or penalty implications or potential loss implications because and be able to rapidly access this money, these monies to take advantage of opportunities because there's always winners and losers, always in any scenario like this. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned. I'm going to share more about this. So don't miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferens Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferens at 866 268 4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. 
That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferentz. And I've been sharing some information economically, economic-wise in terms of inflation, deflation, that kind of thing, that I've not heard much about. But I've done, been doing some serious research from some serious economists, not this, not politically biased stuff, and seeing what's actually going on. And like I've been sharing in this, this show today, that I could foresee a potential deflationary cycle hitting the United States in the near future. China's already, that's already happening, and it's happening due to reduction of demand of services. When you have less people purchasing, less buyers, prices of assets, prices of things go down. That's what's happening in China. China had some unprecedented debt that they put on through uh, trying, you know, fish stimulus they've been doing even to a greater degree than the U.S. over the last couple of years coming out of the COVID shutdowns. And now they're spiraling and they have spiraled into deflation because they overdid it. They, you know, China has, is, controls their economy even further than the U.S. And again, instead of using China as the example, we need to look at China as the warning to not follow their example. Debt is bad. Long-term debt, consumer debt, I've talked about this so many times, consumer debt, in other words, debt that requires your work to uh, pay it off is bad. Well, if you as a government, it's bad too if you're consistently spending more than you receive. If you spend more than revenues over time, you're going to eventually devalue your currency. You're going to have a harder time selling the bonds that back up the currency. And the bond buyers eventually are going to say, enough, we're done. We're not going to keep buying your bonds unless you start taking some real serious fiscal responsibility measures or austerity measures, as they were called, with Greece like 10 years ago. Okay, so this is a situation I foresee happening. So I'm not not convinced that we're going to see ongoing increasing uh, inflation because of spending. Again, our government may be forced to stop spending as much and live within their means because of the bond buyers. That's where I see the real it's impossible to determine to predict what is exactly going to happen. But I'm just looking, reading the tea leaves and looking at what's happening and what's happened in the past and learn from previous mistakes that other countries have made. We don't need to repeat those mistakes, although we're foolishly doing so, so far. So we don't change direction. Austerity measures are on their way, and our government will be forced to live within its means, which will mean recession, certainly, because there will be a reduction of spending. It could easily, though, mean a reduction of asset price values of, of, of every nearly everything, just like we're seeing in China now, or in other words, deflation. What also that means is opportunity. If you have some cash, some money available, and the prices of assets have dropped, what could you do? Well, you obviously could take advantage and snap some of those things up. What if your money was primarily tied up in a portfolio that was, say, subject to market to markets? Look, we go. If that happens, the market value, values of assets are going to drop, and they're going to drop extremely rapidly. Maybe, likely, far quicker than you can respond. I'll give you a quick example. I talked about before where Moody's a couple of weeks ago, reduced the credit rating of the U.S. government debt. They've also now recently slashed the credit ratings of a number of regional banks and again reiterated they see a recession in 2024. Just Moody's, one of the three credit reporting agencies, by downgrading the uh, ratings of 10 American regional banks, the uh, Dow Jones dropped almost 4% in one day. 
that is a small downgrade of only 10 banks, okay? And now they're also talking about potentially downgrading the ratings of a number of larger banks. The reality is as just a small change like that changes the value of the S or I'm sorry, the Dow by 4% in a day. So that gives you an idea of how quickly these things can happen. So if you we see a situation where the bond buyers start to really bulk on purchasing the U.S. Treasuries, and they're saying, look, we need to see some realistic, some real fiscal responsibility, or you're going to be forced to live within your means because we're not going to buy your bonds, you will see a recession. You'll see, see a drop in stock prices in most assets quickly, dramatically. Now, a few other things we've talked about energy. This is so important, but... I, you need to understand, forget the politics, forget the noise, forget the the legacy media. You need to listen to what people actually say. And Biden himself recently lamented that uh, he had he had promised, he, he was unable to fulfill a campaign promise to crack down on drilling for oil and gas on uh, federal lands. And in fact, he even said, stated recently that he was wanting, he wants to shut down, promise no new drilling on federal land or offshore. You, you do realize about a third of our natural resources, our oil and gas permits, come from federal lands. If Biden had been successful, that, then about a third of our energy production would have been cut off. I mean, we've seen higher energy prices and still do today from when he took office. But do you realize if he had been successful, how much higher they would have been? Thankfully, we have a court system that protected protected our rights and didn't just allow some in my opinion a dictator that's that's the kind of stuff dictators do they just unilaterally say you know what no more drilling u.s president doesn't in my opinion have that kind of power the constitution does not give it them but here's the part that bothers me the most of course biden who's who at this point is still running for re-election he said he goes i wanted to stop all, this is a quote i wanted to stop all drilling on the east coast the west coast and in the gulf but I lost in court, but we're still pushing. We're still pushing very, very hard. In other words, even though they've lost in court, they still they don't want to listen to the courts. They want to continue to keep pushing this agenda, this energy agenda. Uh, it's ridiculous. You know, I'm sorry, but it's not good for, it may be good for a few individuals like Biden because of the people who, you know, who've given, you know, let's face it, who've given them money, okay, who have uh, influence them right but it's not good for the not good for the country and it's not good for the average american and i talked about this in a previous show it's particularly high energy prices are particularly damaging to lower income and the poor it's devastating to those kind those people okay just absolutely devastating if you're for high energy i talked about this in a previous show if you are for higher energy prices you are against poor people period, full stop. There is no other option, okay? That's what folks need to understand, okay? I haven't talked about this a lot, about the the Biden crime family, as a lot of people call it. Well, I have brought up a few a few things here and there because being in the having been in the banking industry formerly, I know what a sus- suspicious activity report is or a SARS as it's called. This is something that banks will it's by federal required by federal law if they see a transaction they're required. They're suspicious. They're required to uh, report that, and the, you know, that to the federal government, and then that typically is investigated. Look, banks are highly reluctant to 
and financial people, I, I, I fall under that category where I have to report a suspicious activity. All financial uh, people in the financial world are required to do that. And, you know, you're, you, it's not something you want to take lightly. It's not something you want to report on somebody because particularly if it's a larger transaction, it's probably a better size client for a bank, let's say. So they don't want to upset a, a, a potentially good client. doesn't mean that the anything illegal happened. It's just suspicious. But nobody wants to bring on a federal investigation unnecessarily. I mean, that's a big old hassle. For example, I know of, of banks and, and board members who have been involved with that type of thing. And to have a SARS on a typical bank report, let's say a, a smaller regional bank, you might have one every five years, okay? I mean, that's how rare these things really truly are, okay? It's very rare. For the Biden family to have like over 150 of them, look, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, and for anyone to argue against that is just to be willfully ignorant, not only is there the SARS are out there, there are now actual back rec bank records of transactions of over $20 million going to a number of the Biden family members over the last number of years. And there are records, act, you know, records of Vice President Biden meeting with these people that have given his family over $20 million, documented bank records, okay? And there is um, testimony in Congress under oath of people involved with this stating, yes, this was an influence peddling scheme. Folks, this is, the, the, you have to be willfully ignorant, plain and simple. You have to actively ignore this to realize this is not fraud. It's illegal. It's absolutely illegal. Um, it's one of the biggest, most corrupt scandals in the history of our country in terms of a presidential level. I mean, it, it makes look, Nixon, for example, look like a piper or pretty much any of the... I'm not saying any of these people that have been in office are saints, but in perspective, it's not even close. And the thing is, it happened... This is the part where the media, the, the, the uh, legacy media, has been trying to keep this under wraps for so long, although it seems like it's really starting to blow, you know, it's really starting to blow up in their face. But it all happened under the Obama administration. And Obama knew about it, had to know about it. There's no way he didn't know about it. The Secret Service knew, the FBI knew, Obama knew. And they're trying to, they're really not trying to protect Biden so much as they're really, the real bottom line is Biden is their, you know, that he's their savior, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? They went goo goo gaga over him and they're trying to protect him. And that's really what it boils down to. We're going to see how this plays out. Impeachment certainly. Uh, is deserved here. Will it? Will Biden actually be impeached? I'm not certain about that. Is it deserved? Absolutely, positively. Um, how far it's going to go? It'll be interesting to see and watch. It's very discouraging to, and frustrating that we have partisans who just are again willfully protecting this because they want to protect their their savior. Is what they look at it. No one, and I mean no one, should be above the law. And that's what our country was founded upon. And that's one of the great strengths of our country that's been weakened. My hope is it's changed. I want to share a few other things I think you're going to find interesting and some uh, it, solutions, some interesting, up, uh, some positive information, some encouraging stuff. So I'm really going to encourage you to stay tuned, so don't miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866 268 4422 or yourpersonalbank.com.
That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. So we're going to wrap up uh, today with some upbeat, encouraging news. There's there's a lot of good stuff going on. And I know we a lot of the times through the news and stuff, we just hear the bad and it can get frustrating and be a downer. But you know what? There is reason to hope. And one of the things I, I want to help you understand is it's darkest before the dawn. That when things start to really turn, a lot of people are going to be, you know, at their wits end. They'll be at the end of their rope, and they just think it's not going to ever get any better. And then all of a sudden, things start to really turn, and they typically turn hard and fast. And so here's some reasons for hope, some upbeat, positive thing. First of all, I discussed this uh, a few weeks ago. You know, Hillary Clinton ridiculously. Uh, a month or so ago, announced that MAGA Republicans were the, tweeted out they were causing the world to get hot, hotter. And as she said, stated, you enjoy the heat this summer, you can thank your MAGA Republicans. Just blame them. And it was laughable. I mean, it's but, of course, the mainstream media, or the legacy media just, you know, fell into, what is it, fell into marching orders because, you know, even they probably behind closed doors laughed and saw this as silly, but they have to run cover for her because, well, you know, they revere her. And in essence, she's almost like their boss, right? So they had to go dutifully say, yeah, she's right. We're breaking temperatures right now because, you know, man-made climate change and all this stuff. Even though the facts show otherwise, I shared that in the previous show, NASA data, National Association of Atmospheric Science data showed you'd have to ignore decades and decades of, of temperature and, and climate history to believe that. Well, it turns out there's some new news about part of the reason why they believe this summer has been especially warm. And the cause of that happens to be a volcano. Now, interestingly, about a year ago or so, there was a huge a volcano that went off, okay? And apparently, it threw, it was a like a once-in-a-lifetime event, as they call it. And apparently, it threw, it was under a water volcano in the, in the Pacific, record, like apparently trillions and trillions of dollars, uh, trillions, not dollars, trillions of gallons of seawater into the atmosphere. Well, apparently a seawater is one of the, one of the things, or water vapor, that is, creates one of the biggest reasons for, you know, in the atmosphere for um, temperatures to rise. So apparently this once in a lifetime historic volcanic activity NASA has come out and stated this is the primary reason for the heat. And, and there's some other scientific, true scientific studies that are now backing that up. So Hillary was wrong. True science is right. And I've stated this many, many times. If you, if you believe man can create, make huge differences, you have a really high opinion of yourself. We don't have that kind of control and that kind of ability because just one volcanic eruption can make huge differences around the world, which we are actually seeing, okay? And by the way, folks, there are hundreds of volcanic eruptions every single year. One can make a difference. We don't have anywhere near the kind of power of change or effectiveness that some of these leftists think, you know, they think very highly of themselves. I'll say that much. 
Here's some other good news. So Elon Musk, again, has come out, and he now vows to go to war against companies that punish employees for activity on X, which was formerly Twitter. So he's saying he's he's saying his company will go to bat for people who are punished by their employers for things they do they do on his social media platform. And he said, if you're unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform, we will fund your legal bill. No limit. Please let us know. Folks, that's powerful. Look, I mean, one of the things I like about Elon is he's a free speech absolutist. And he he not only says it, he backs it up. And being one of the world's richest men, he has the ability to back it up. This is kind of one of the solutions that needs that needs to happen to make a difference. People that knowing people can uh, are going to have the backing of Elon if they get, like you said, unfairly treated. That's going to help more people have more courage to speak their mind and speak the truth. Okay, and he even went on. He said he goes and we won't just sue. It'll be extremely loud, and we'll go after the boards of directors of the companies too. You know, that's getting people right where it hurts. Hit them where the you know hit them in their pocketbook, right? Hit the companies where it hurts. If they go after again employees or people uh, who are unfairly treated because of something they said or did on on social media, so on on at least on X or what was formerly Twitter, that's awesome. That's an again, that's a, a great step in the right direction and another cause for hope. So that's a big one. Here's another good cause for uh, encouragement. Now it turns out the majority of Americans agree no more U.S. taxpayer money for Ukraine. I've, I've talked about this for over a year. I've been against, I was against the Ukraine from the very beginning. It's on my radio show. It's posted on my website at yourpersonalbank.com. You can go to this or any of the previously recorded shows, by the way, and you can go back and see where I was against being getting involved with Ukraine because it's essentially a civil war, in my opinion. I have extended relatives in Ukraine. I'm half Hungarian. I know a lot more about this behind the scenes than most Americans. And and so this was, in my opinion, nothing more than the military-industrial complex just starting and getting involved in another endless, windless, useless war so they can make more profit. And that's the reality. I'm sorry, but that's the fact. Well, here's the good news. The majority of Americans now agree, and that's a good sign. The majority of Congress doesn't agree yet, but the majority of Americans do. And whenever representatives feel like that their their re-election is threatened, they will finally listen. So the support for Ukraine might not be eliminated immediately. I doubt that. But eventually, I see, it, I see an end to it because the American people are getting sick and tired of it. They're coming to realize this is just another one of those endless wars. And the good news is, waking up to the reality of that, it's going to be harder to get involved in the next endless, useless war. You know what I'm trying to say? So that's all, again, cause cause for encouragement. Encouragement, right? Let me give you another one. Biden, of course, as I talked about recently, went went after schools offering hunting, hunting and archery courses. In other words, the federal government was going to stop funding schools that offered those kinds of classes. Well, not only Republicans have gone after Biden administration, even Democrats now in many of the states where, like they say, um, you know, outdoor recreation is foundational to our Western way of life with many of the even Democrat senators and congresspeople going after the Biden administration. This is good. Again, I talked about this a few shows ago. The divide in America is not really... Uh, conservative versus liberal or Republican versus Democrat. It's really about 
do we want a society that we've grown up in and and grown to love? Or do we want something fundamentally different? The progressives who are, they call themselves progressives, but they're not. They're really regressives. They want to regress to a lesser form of government, more tyranny, more more top-down control, more dictatorship-wise, less freedom. Or do we want to continue the freedoms that we have had and enjoyed most of all of us most of our lives and the bottom line is the vast majority of americans a pre you want to come push comes to shove they want to keep the freedoms they have and when something hits them in the face that's important to them they are going to step up and say no we're, we're against this we don't want this and so it, it's again it crosses political lines it crosses socioeconomic lines cultural lines all types of lines. It's about, do you want, do you like the society and the country we live in as it is, and the opportunities that we have, including the economic opportunities, as we talk about on the show all the time, or not? Or do you want less of that? Do you want more government control, more top-down control, more dictatorship, basically, and less freedom? And as more and more people realize that, they're going to be less and less able to impose these kinds of controls on us, and that's a good thing. That's a cause, another cause for encouragement, as I've said. Again, I believe that the Marxists, which is what they are, they're Marxists, according to Karl Marx. Hey, read his book. He's read a couple of them. Socialism and Communism are two different levels of Marxism, defined by Karl Marx himself. Okay, that's what they are. They're, they're, they're pushed too far. They've gone too far too fast. And I believe... Ultimately, they're going to lose. We'll see. We'll see. But I believe they're going to lose. The other thing about Marx is his second book, which the liberal, whatever the Marxists don't like to talk about, even Karl Marx himself said that Marxism, socialism, communism would never work due to human nature. He was right. Okay? They don't like to talk about that. The last one I want to talk about, um, cause for encouragement, and probably the biggest one of all, frankly, and closest to my heart, is Louisiana law now requires in God we trust displayed in all public schools and uh, apparently all public buildings must display the national motto of the U.S., which is in God we trust. It's on our. It has to be placed in the classroom. It has to be in the, the the government buildings. It's on our money, folks. And that's how I close my show all the time because the reality is, getting away from God. Getting away from faith and family and country and the things that really create true happiness, true joy in life. Not just, um, you know, things that, you know, circumstances that might make you happy for a while. Outcomes that can make you happy for a while. But causes true joy and meaning in your life. Bringing those things back into our society is the true key, the true solution to turning this country around and making it a better place and bringing it back to where it was and then improving upon it even further. It can be done. We can do that again. It just requires education and we do not have to convert or or educate everyone. We just need a majority. We need 51%, okay? If we can get one or two out of a hundred to think, get educated, Realize what's really going on in this country. Vote differently than they have in the past. Vote for people who are going to take fiscal responsibility seriously. That will turn this country around. If you want to know how to 
navigate this, how you can thrive, whether we continue an inflation or we go into a deflationary cycle, like I talked about in the earlier in this show. Your personal bank can help you accomplish that. And if you want more information on how you can thrive through this and be nimble and highly liquid and still earn money and be safe so you can take advantage of opportunities, I strongly encourage you to contact me at yourpersonalbank.com. And as always, stay tuned to the Your Personal Bank Show next week. And like I said earlier, it's still on our money, and it's now on the Louisiana school build, uh, public buildings and school classrooms. In God we trust. Listen Tuesdays at noon and Saturdays at 1 to the Your Personal Bank Show for more information. Contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com.